In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. But man, as a leader, here's what I would tell you guys. Do something, do anything, just lead. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos. I'm here with Dale Culver. Today, I want to talk to you about the 15th quality of the full capacity man, which is the leader. Do something, anything, just lead. That is the subtitle. But before we get into that, Dale, do you have a man word for us today? I do, and my man word is captain. Yeah, captain is someone who is uh, in charge of the ship, and uh, if that ship goes down, literally it's uh, on him, right? Um, And as a, a... the husband, you're the captain. As um, a leader of an organization, you're kind of the captain. And so, like, if this ministry were to fail, who's that on? Arr. Yeah, it's on you. So I'm a pirate captain. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> so that's my. Uh, my wife's a flight attendant. I should have thought airlines captain. Yeah, that plane I just goes can't down. I'm thinking of a pirate. Yeah. Arr. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I get it. I. I yeah. Okay. I just. Just as a leader, I mean, the funny part is a cap. I'm just processing this. A captain really, I mean, I get it. A captain takes people, like an airline captain will take people from point A to point B safely. He's really not leading them, though. He's just taking them from point A to point B. So, in that capacity, I like the word. An airline, a, a, a ship's captain. But are they really, I'm just processing this, are they really leading people besides taking them to a direction? So I think... And commanding them. I like the I like the phrase in the sense that it's, it's a picture of a man taking people somewhere. I don't like it because in practice, that phrase really has nothing to do with leading people, but taking them to a certain navigational point. Way to break it down. Well, I'm just processing it, right? Like, (laughs) there's a reason why we don't call people the team cap. The the team captain makes sense. I like that. That says, okay, I'm leading the team. So, in some senses, I go, oh, I get it. Other senses, I go, well, that's kind of weird. Like, I would never say I'm the captain of my of my family. (laughs) That just sounds weird to me. But I like the word. I, I, I. 
you know, I'm not, I'm just, you say these words, I'm not prepared for them, right? right? So would I you, have to process the word. Would you rather be like the Lord of your family? Like they, I kids, love that word. Your kids just don't say, capitalize Lord it. Lord Jim, what Lord would you Daddy, have me do today? Lord, Lord Father. <laughs> well, no, no, I see, I'm a verbal processor, sure. right? So I'm processing as you speak because I'm not ready for the word. I mean, I don't hate the word. It just doesn't fit in all situations for me personally, but I like it. Team captain. I mean, I like it in some senses, right? So, yeah, that's good, man. I, but that's the deal, right? This man word is supposed to get us thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, where do I, you know, not agree or where do I agree? And so that's really good, man. I mean, I think it's a great word. That may be one of your better words because it caused me to think. Good. So speaking of captain, <laughs> I want to talk about Amelia Earhart. You know, she lived from 1897 to 1937. She's an aviation pioneer author who is instrumental in the formation of the 99s, an organization for female pilots. In 1928, she became the first female pilot to cross the Atlantic by airplane, giving her celebrity status. By 1932, she was also the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean. Then in July 2nd, 1937, she set out with her navigator, Frederick Noonan, to be the first person, not woman, person, human, to fly around the world at the equator. Somewhere around the Western Pacific near New Guinea, she lost her bearings. Her last radio message was, quote, position doubtful. After a massive search, uh, she was officially declared dead in 1939. The good news is that her navigator, Frederick Noonan, is believed to have lived to a ripe old age, died in peace with his family somewhere in the Fiji Islands. So that's pretty cool, right? That is. Yeah. The bad news is I made it up. (laughs) He went down with the ship because when the captain goes down with a ship, everybody around him generally goes down with a ship. Mm -hmm. And so this is the, the key thing. Earhart's tragic loss of position describes so many men today who are lost somewhere in this thing we call the arena while they're raising their children. Their intentions are admirable. Their motives are pure. They wake up, they grind out daily, but somewhere along the line, they've lost their bearing. They forget themselves. They forget who they are. They forget where they are. They get tragically lost in their own story. And so this leadership quality is so important for a man so that he understands what Leroy Imes wrote about leadership. Quote, a leader is one who sees more than others see, who sees further than others see, and who sees before others see. And so it's really interesting, Dale. So when we talk about leadership, most guys kind of nod their heads and like, okay, I kind of understand that. But if we put one word in front of leadership, guys begin to crumble. One word. They just seem to go, oh, I don't understand it. And that one word is, do you know what it is? Can you guess it? The word is spiritual. I was going to say godly. Well, same thing. The moment you put that word in front of leadership, guys begin to fall apart. They begin to get off. It stops them in their tracks. They just don't know what to make of it, right? So I wrote this chapter in Full Capacity Man based on 1 Timothy 3, verses 2, four and five, and it says this, an overseer then must be one who manages his own household well. Now remember, an overseer, he's talking about spiritual leaders in churches, but an over it should be the goal of every man 
to be qualified to be a spiritual leader. That's our goal, and that's the mm-hmm. whole assumption of the book. An overseer then must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? So I want to break spiritual leadership down into three components today for our podcast. The first one is in 1 Timothy 3, 4. He manages his household well. Now, in the day that Paul wrote this, a household was more than just me and my kids and my wife. The household sometimes meant uh, business associates. It usually meant uh, extended family members who were living there. It oftentimes meant you know bond servants, people who have who are working for this guy. Anybody who was involved in this household of the wealthy, especially this was their household. It was more than their house or their home. It was all of the people connected to them. The word that Paul uses here to describe manages is the Greek word prostomai, which means to preside and provide. And so as I started thinking about this, okay, my job as the leader of my household, as one who manages my household, is to preside over and provide for. So what are the things a man should preside over and provide for? So all of these start with the letter F, and I think this will be helpful. And this is just me brainstorming as looking back on my journey looking back on guys who I think are great fathers great leaders great <clears throat> captains of their ship the first thing is food water and shelter we have a responsibility to provide for the basic needs of our families all right basic stuff roof over their head clean water to drink food to eat the second thing is we need to preside over the fitness of our family we live in the most obese society, most opulent society in world history. And we as men, like I shared on an earlier podcast, I got up every morning, Monday through Friday, and cooked my kids bacon and eggs. So I did that on purpose because I wanted them to have a low-carb, high-protein meal that could get them to lunch. And and this is and my kids, man, I mean, they were in high school ripped. I mean, they these guys were fit, six-packs, you know, as they've got older and have to control their own diet, it changes a little bit. But most part, they look good. They're still working out. They're still doing their thing. And so, and I think that goes back to, and then me leading the way in that journey. The next thing is we need to lead them in family. We need to lead our family. You know, my wife and I have a thriving marriage because we invest in it constantly, religiously having date nights with our when our boys were young, uh, taking a full day off once a week using all my vacation. In fact, my wife and I are heading for a week vacation to Mexico just a couple days. Growing up, it was very clear to my kids that I loved them. In fact, Colton, my youngest, just asked me the other day, hey, Dad, is mom more important than us? I mean, if you were to take a bullet, <laughs> would you? who would you have? I said, son, I love you, but I would take a bullet for your mom before you. And he was like, mm. really? I go, yeah, because she's going to be around well after you guys are gone. And I love you guys very much, but she's a priority. And it was like an aha moment for him. This just happened about a month ago. So I am in charge of making sure that my family is healthy, that my family is whole, that my family is together, which leads to the next F, faith. And we learned this a little bit earlier in our, in our podcast about the devout man. We have to model three things to our kids, living biblically, serving consistently, and having regular 
Christian fellowship, and I would say religiously. So I would say living biblically, serving consistently, and attending fellowship religiously. And I throw that word religiously in there on purpose, because guys get weird about religion. But we have to do things religiously, and we have to not only lead the way in that, in faith, but we have to require that of our kids. I am a huge fan of mandating, I know you are too, of mandating my kids. When you're in my home, we will go to church, we will do certain things. It is a requirement. When you get out of the house, you can do whatever you want. But but while you're in my house, Jeremiah, uh, Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And when you have your own household, you can serve whatever God you want. But I'm going to serve the Lord and my household, and here's how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. The next F is the word finances. To preside over our household takes good financial management so that we can provide for food, water, and shelter. So we could provide, can provide for clothing. So we can provide for these things. But more than that, to me it means as a spiritual leader that I model four things. Tithing, that my kids see me giving money to God's kingdom. Tithing, paying bills on time, managing debt, preferably not having any debt, and future planning. So my kids, and it's really been funny, Dale, as my sons are in their 20s now, they're asking me questions like, what are you doing for retirement? What are your investments? Because they're starting their own families, and they want to know, you know, has dad done it right? You know, dad, what's your, they're asking me questions now like, what's your net worth? You know, uh, pretty funny. You know, John MacArthur writes this, the spiritual leaders must be a good steward of his house and his finances, all people and resources over which he has responsibility. Someone, for example, who manages family well but mismanages money and possessions would be disqualified as a spiritual leader. This is important. The next F is the word friendships. It is our role as spiritual leaders to manage the friendships of our children. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Between you and I, Dale, we probably have close to 45 years in youth ministry. Mm -hmm. And to me, the number one thing that helps a guy or gal grow spiritually through their teen years, besides having a father in the home, is the friends they choose. Absolutely. And we have to manage, and we, when my kids were growing up, we actually told them, you're not allowed to hang out with that kid. If you go to school, that's your deal and hang out, but you are not allowed to hang out with that kid anymore. That mm-hmm. kid is a bad influence. They don't have a high moral character, and you're not allowed to. And we manage their friendships. We really, really did. Now what we do is we look at their parents' social media, and we choose. Yes, exactly. You're not hanging out with You're that not kid. hanging I out, see kid. what their parents do. Absolutely. So here's the other thing we manage. We manage fun. I think that's really important to have, to mm-hmm. manage funds. We, you know, for my boys, I hunt. I love the outdoors. So we did a lot of things. That was the fun. We did a lot of vacations. My son Darby one time said, yeah, Dad, you know, we don't have a lot of toys, but we've done more things and had more experiences than any of my friends ever did because we decided to invest in memories and that our fun was based on that. You know, Darby and I got scuba certified together. I hunt with the boys. Just was with Colton two weeks ago when he shot his first buck. My birthday's coming up. My boy's like, Dad, we got the greatest duck hunting trip for you planned, so we're all going to go duck hunting together. This is the fun component. Mm-hmm. And the last thing, and this may be the most important thing, is to manage their freedom. We need to be careful to watch our sons and daughters and to make sure they're not being led into bondage. 
mm. through social media, through pornography. You fill in the blanks. Our job as parents is to manage their freedom so that when they leave the house, they're free function adults. So that's the first category, managing his household well. The second category that we want to talk about in that passage in 1 Timothy 3, 5 is keeping your children under control with all dignity. Now, this is interesting. So you and I have both had adult children that have struggled, mm-hmm. right? Uh, my son has come back around, but he had a four-year run of what he would call rumspringa. Rumspringa is a Pennsylvania German noun meaning running around. It's a rite of passage used in some Amish communities. During rumspringa, the usual behavior restrictions are relaxed so that Amish youth can acquire some experience and knowledge of the non-Amish world. These teenagers intentionally segregate themselves from faith and community between the ages of 14 and 16 and either choose to be baptized into the Amish church or to leave it all together. And I have found that most kids have this rumspringer. I call it the stupid years. <laughs> and so the question is, at what point is a man responsible for his kid's behavior? Is that when the kid's 80? You know, At what point is a father no longer responsible? So when you look in the Bible, there are four words for children or child in the Bible. And all four of these words are a progression. So I want to talk about these four words. The first Greek word is the word nepios, which is a child from infant to toddler. This is a this is a a child that's completely dependent. Uh, they don't have power of speech. Uh, this word denotes a little teeny a small child. You got to change their diapers. I mean, they're just little children, completely dependent on their parents. The next word is the Greek word paideon, which is a child from late toddler to a preteen. So let's say five to. 12. So this is a child who is young and under training. In fact, some people believe that George Lucas derived the word Padawan learner in Star Wars to describe children in training that leading up to becoming a Jedi Knight. Some people believe that he got that word from Pideon. In Matthew 19, verses 13 to 15, it says this, Then some children were brought to him so that he might lay hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the little children alone. Do not hinder them from coming to me, for my kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. After laying hands on them, he departed from there. The word children there is paideon. These are kids, you know, 5 to 12. They're preteens, and this is the word we're talking about. The next word is the word technon, and this is the word that Paul uses in the pastorals here. So when it, when it talks about children who are under control, it's the word technon. In other words, and this describes a preteen to teenager, somebody in the 12 to, let's say, 18-year category. Teenagers live in the home. So what Paul is saying here is from, your, from the teen years down, the household needs to be under control. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So the fourth word is the Greek word huios, which describes a son or daughter in a wider a wider sense of the word as a fully matured son or daughter whose conduct gives evidence to the dignity of their relationship and character and their relationship, uh, kind of a parallel relationship with their parent. So this is an adult child. So Paul does not use that word. So what should a man manage? He should manage those kids in his home that are teenagers down to infant.
That's what we're responsible for. So the last phrase of uh, this that we see in Titus 1.6, it says, having children who believe. Again, we're talking about this child who is from a nepios to a Pideon to a technon, so that in his home, those children believe. You know, it's common practice in ancient conquering kings to not only kill the conquered king, but destroy his entire lineage by murdering all of his bloodline. And so when the Bible says your devil, the ad, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour, he wants to kill and steal and destroy, according to John 10.10. 10. He wants to destroy your lineage. He wants to have you be the only person in your family to ever go into heaven. He wants your children to deny Christ. The word Paul uses here, again, for children who believe is technon that we need to be very careful. Guys, this is important as a spiritual leader, that you lead your kids to Jesus and that they're living for Jesus while they're in your home. When they leave their home, you know, we hear all these stats about why are kids when they leave the home falling away from Jesus? Honestly, that's a struggle for some parents, but that's not the parent's responsibility anymore. Mm -hmm. Their responsibility is those years in the arena when the kids are in the home. I personally have found... It's harder to lead my adult children than when they were younger, but they're adults now, and they're on their own, and they're all doing great. But the, the, the key here is what do I have control over as the leader? I have control over those years from Nepios to Pideon to Technon. Does that make sense? That does. So I hope that helps you guys. hope that encourages you. But, man, as a leader, here's what I would tell you guys. Do something do anything, just lead. Dale, what's next? Men, head on over to our website at meninthearena.org and grab your free electronic version of Jim's book, Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters. Also, while you're there, click the Join Our Program and get on a virtual team. Until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.